and my Warhol Mao would look great. This wall. <laughs> Surprise, bitch. I bet you thought you'd seen the last of me. <laughs> How soon can you have all of your stuff out of here? I really need my own room. Storybrooke. I'm Max. And I'm Tina. This is episode 14 of season 4, Unforgiven, or... Chapter 3 of book 6, because that's how we roll here at Welcome to Storybrooke. And we actually have a name for this book. We do. This is book 6, Cheaper by the Coven. Ah, no, we can't use that for our uh, upcoming Charmed podcast, Welcome to San Francisco. It's going to be Welcome to Hallowell Manor. But that doesn't begin with an S. It doesn't have to begin with an S. Our Farscape podcast is going to be Welcome to the Uncharted Territories. Our Buffy podcast, if we ever do it, which we might not because the Buffy podcast verse is pretty well handled. Mm. But if we do do it, that one's going to be Welcome to the Hellmouth. And if we do, because there's already a Welcome to Sunnydale. And if we... Dang it, we should have started this like five years ago. I know, right? And when we do our Best Friends Whenever podcast, it's going to be Welcome to Whenever. We need a lot more free time. Hey, if you want to pay us to do nothing but do podcasts all day, which we would love, feel free to donate at our Patreon. You can find it at ilovetelevisionzines.com. And uh, yeah. And that'll be it for this week. Oh, right. One, uh, don't, once we, upon don't, we, don't we do something? I feel like we normally talk about something. Okay, so you know how... We hate David and Mary Margaret. Uh, see, I was going to say, you know how the first half of this season, the, for, the first story arc, did this thing where David and Mary Margaret got like three minutes of an episode just to keep the, the two actors in the main credits? Yeah, I do remember that. Yeah, turns out... We didn't know how lucky we were. Pendulum always ends up swinging back the other way. Oh, they're so terrible. And there's so much of them this season. Also, this this is the moment when we start hating David and Mary Margaret. I mean... This is the, this is the moment we start having legitimate reasons to hate David and Mary Margaret. Okay, well, I don't know. I mean, the Cora thing? Yeah, the, the thing is... Also, she got Daniel killed. She did get Daniel killed, and she tricked Regina into killing her own mother, which is something that does not get discussed at all for the amazing amount of fucked up it was. Like, when she brought up to Anna, and she's like, I'm not that innocent, I killed Cora. It's like, no, it's not that you killed Cora, it's that you tricked a woman into killing her own mother right after restoring the woman's ability to love. You know, when you say it like that, it sounds bad. But at the same time, I feel like I feel like we're harsher on David and Mary Margaret because we don't like them very much. Okay, well, we're harsher than David and Mary Margaret for the same reason we're harsh on Blue. Because they act holier than thou, and they absolutely are not holier than anyone. Speaking of Blue, we'll get into it. Wait, there's a speaking of Blue? There is a speaking of Blue. Oh, okay. It's very brief, but we'll get to it. Mary Margaret is in bed. It's like 2.30, 2.40 in the morning. It's 2.37. We, we know because the clock says 2.37. It's one of those flippy clocks that I can never associate with anything except Groundhog Day now. So she rolls over to find that David has left her in the middle of the night. I'm assuming he followed some bearded man with eyeliner into the woods. It's been a while since we've seen that, although we're going to start getting it more next season. Oh, is next season King Arthur? Next season is King Arthur. Oh, well, you know what? I think David can do better. And honestly, so can Mary Margaret. I thought you were going to say, and honestly, so can King Arthur. We'll we'll Let's save that for next season. I'm so excited to talk about that. But for now, she uh, ignores the fact that her husband is missing, because really, who cares about David? And she goes to pick up Neil, who she she remembered Neil existed. Baby Neil. Yeah, I know. Yes. This episode remembers that they have a child, but for a very specific reason. Maleficent shows up all like, I'm an evil witch and witches steal babies. And Cruella shows up and is like, I'm going to make a coat out of him. 
And Ursula shows up and she's like, I'm also here. Which is sort of the subtext to Ursula in basically every scene she's in. Ursula is basically the Aunt Peggy of the coven. And Maleficent's looking at the baby and she bamps him into her arms and she's like, Hmm, sure must be nice to have a baby that wasn't thrown into a death pit, right? Yep, yep. And Mary Margaret snaps awake. Yep, it was just a guilt dream. (gasps) But what could Mary Margaret the avatar of goodness possibly have to feel guilty about. Uh, Anyway, she checks on the baby and the baby's fine. And then she sees that David is actually awake, probably because he's just returned from the woods. And uh, she's like having trouble sleeping. And he's like, yeah, but usually after I get a handy J, it helps me, you know, zoink out. But David admits that he is also feeling uncomfortable because Ursula and Cruella are in town. They do the thing this episode all episode where they talk around the thing they did the noodle incident as it were so awkward there's no reason for david and mary margaret to not say to each other remember that time when we threw maleficent's baby into a death pit but we're not actually going to find out that that's what happened until next episode yes that thing that we were responsible for sure was bad and it's good that maleficent's dead and she can't tell people about that thing that we did in the past. And then David says that they need to get Cruella and Ursula out of town before anyone learns what they did. And, okay, Cruella and Ursula are technically on the side of evil. Mm. I mean, they are helping Rumpelstiltskin with his evil plan. I think Ursula's more on the side of standing there and watching other people do stuff. Well, I mean, honestly, isn't that Cruella's side as well? Yeah, they're kind of like the backup dancers of being evil. They're the other two girls from Destiny's Child? Yes. Oh, God, they are. And Maleficent's Beyonce? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yep. Yeah. Maleficent is Effie, okay? She's the one who's going to sing and go have a solo album. Cruella and Ursula are just there to, like, give the song depth. That wasn't my point, though. Okay. No. That aside, my point was that from David and Mary Margaret's point of view, Ursula and Cruella have not done anything wrong. They said they've come seeking redemption. Redemption is basically David and Mary Margaret's whole jam. And they're like, Is it though? Yeah. Yeah, because they keep insisting that Regina can be redeemed, even in the past, pre-curse, when she clearly couldn't be. Mm. They're supposed to be the good guys. Two people have come to them asking for help. And they have no reason to think that these women are currently evil. And David's like, ooh, it might be inconvenient for us if they said the thing that we did. So we should definitely screw them over. So the title card has a dragon, specifically Maleficent, which makes sense because in this episode, we both see Maleficent's dragon form in the flashback. And also at the end of this episode, she rises from the dead. But next week's episode is called Enter the Dragon. Maybe they should have saved it. Maybe they reuse it. Maybe. So, back in Fairytale Land, David and Mary Margaret are riding their horses, which, in retrospect, not a smart move for Mary Margaret right now. Huh. They're on their way back from the Summer Palace? Well, this is back from their honeymoon when they fought Medusa. For no reason, because Medusa was just hanging out in her house and they showed up and killed her. Yeah. Mary Margaret sees a dwarf asleep at the front gate, and she's like, I told the dwarves they shouldn't put Sleepy on uh, guard duty, and David's like, it's not just him, everyone's asleep. Yep, it's the sleeping curse. She assumes it's Regina, which, I mean, I guess, fair. Yeah, Regina put her under the sleeping curse, but it's not, it's Maleficent, which is weird, because didn't Maleficent give her sleeping curse to Regina, so Regina could put Snow under the curse? Does she still have the curse? Is Are curses candle flames or are they candles? Can you share your candle flame indefinitely or is it the wax that becomes depleted? This isn't the sleeping curse. It it's sleeping. a sleeping curse. Okay. How are you differentiating the, the sleeping curse from a sleeping curse? It's the same thing. No, it's different because this is just a curse that's temporarily knocking everyone out. It's not a curse that requires true love's kiss to wake you out of the flame dimension. Are all of these people in the flame dimension? I don't think so. It's it's like that thing Regina cast back in the uh, Peter Pan season when she just wanted oh, to knock Oh, when she out. knocked all the Lost Boys out. Yeah. 
Or that thing that uh, Zelina did where she just waved her hand and people passed out, but she didn't use that when it would be really useful at the end of the... Uh... Oh, Zelina. <laughs> okay, that makes sense. But I was thinking of this, like, the Sleeping Curse and Sleeping Beauty, where Sleeping Beauty is asleep and in the fire dimension and can only be woken by true love's kiss, but also the entire palace is knocked out for a hundred years, you'll remember. Yeah, was that a thing in Once Upon a Time? I know it's a thing in the Disney story and in It's in it's in the actual story. Um, I don't I assume it's in Once Upon a Time. I don't know. She was just kind of on that coma bench by herself. Well, I mean, that was Aurora. Yeah. When Briar Rose was passed out, did the whole palace fall asleep? Remember, it happens twice in Once Upon a Time. Yeah. With Briar Rose and then again with her daughter Aurora, because that's the kind of show this is. So anyway. We are like a minute into this episode. Anyway, David recognizes Maleficent, and she's like, oh, you recognize me when you're not trying to stab me as a dragon. Which is a nice reminder that David fought her as a dragon. Yeah, and not only did he fight her as a dragon, he stuffed a golden egg down her throat and then ran away. That is what happened. That's accurate. Or as I call it, an inverse first task from the Triwizard Tournament. But anyway, Maleficent's like, I believe you know my associates, Cruella and Ursula. And David's like, no. Yeah, that's really for our benefit. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's very, it's a very awkward place to cut. She's like, oh. I, I'm here, the character you know, and also these two other characters who are suddenly a big deal this season are here. You know how we're always hanging out, right? Right, you know how me, a dragon, hangs out with this sea monster, and also this... 20s debutante with dog-controlling breath. Yeah, you know, just like we do. Natural, natural companions. So David and Mary Margaret are having coffee at uh, Granny's when Ursula and Corella come in. They go up to Granny to order breakfast and she's like, oh, I don't serve your kind here. And just turns around and walks away. Which is ridiculous. Of course you do. Anyway, Will Scarlet comes in and gets two cups of coffee to go. Mm, that might come back later. Also, he doesn't pay for them. I assume that whoever he's getting for called ahead and paid on her credit card. Hmm. Or... Granny just gives uh, attractive dudes coffee for free, as we saw with August back in season one. You know, there's no reason to own a diner if you're not going to give hot people that you want to bone uh, coffee for free. When Granny doesn't serve Cruella, she threatens to turn her into a coat. Okay, Cruella, that would look awful. No, she knows Granny's a werewolf. Oh, smart. Good continuity there. So Regina comes in with Henry and there's a very awkward moment where uh, Cruella's like, hey, this lady won't take our order. You know what we can do about that? And Regina's like, oh, God, it's you people. And Cruella follows that up with, oh, hey, remember that one time you totally murdered a whole bunch of innocent people for no good reason? Yeah. And she's all like, can you not talk about me being super evil in front of my son? Because that... I'm trying to not right now. And to his credit, Henry kind of just rolls with this. He's like, yeah, okay, whatever. Can you pick up some donuts? I'm going to go do other stuff. Bye. He knows his mother's deal. As much as Regina doesn't want him to hear all of the gory details of what she did. I mean, he's got the book. Yeah, he's seen this stuff before. This would be like if your mom was just a real wild child in her youth. And wrote, like, a bunch of drug memoirs about it. And then later, when you were older and she was responsible, she was like, I don't want you to know about my past. And you're like, I read all of your drugged-out memoirs. I know what you did. Was that an Annie Lamont reference, or...? Nope, just talking. Okay. So, after saying their piece, Cruella and Ursula also peace out. And David and Snow immediately go up to Regina and they're like, hey... So do you know how to get them, like, out of town? Because we really aren't comfortable with them being here. And Regina's all, why? They're idiots, but they're they're backup dancers. Like, would you be afraid of the members of uh, Destiny's Child who weren't Beyonce? I mean, come on. 
I know that the last few magical women who've rolled into town have pretty handily kicked my ass, but, like, I can take these two with my hands tied behind my back. As long as Maleficent doesn't magically come back, we'll be fine! Although, honestly, she beat up Maleficent back in season one, so... Yeah, but... Oh, that was when she was being evil, though. She was being evil, and also she took Maleficent by surprise because they were friends. Hmm. Yeah. But she totally blows off Mary Margaret and David's concern. She's like, look, if you're worried about them, you can follow them. I have better things to do. I know two brand new witches who shouldn't really have been in the world without magic just showed up at the town line. But guys, I'm trying to get my happy ending here. Yeah, that's going to get real tired real soon. It Not yet. But once she's on it for like three seasons or so, you get kind of like, oh my god, we get it. Get over it. Look, I'm all for Regina getting a happy ending. You know that. Yeah. We love Regina here. I was going to actually go to uh, Terry Pratchett with uh, a thing Granny Weatherwax says, which is the only way the two people have a happy ending is if you immediately cut off their heads at their happiest moment. Well, I mean, that's accurate. That's, That's the core problem with the structure of Once Upon a Time. No one can get a happy ending because there's always going to be another season. Until there isn't. Yeah, they say they're done. Let's see. They said they were done before, and then they came back with this Seattle thing. So, Cruella and Ursula bump into Emma and Hook when they're leaving Granny's. And Ursula acknowledges Hook, which leads Emma to believe that Hook definitely bumped. Oh, that's actually a better euphemism than... What were you going to say? I was going to say bumped urchins. You think he got her flotsam and her jetsam? I think that he floundered on top of her for a bit. That's probably more accurate. I'm just saying, Ursula is a very attractive woman and she has two prehensile tentacles. I would be a little worried too. Yeah, I do love how Emma's like, so did you bone her? And he's like, I encountered lots of sea monsters in my time as a pirate. And she's like, did you bone a lot of sea monsters? <laughs> and she's like, that's not really an answer to my question. Okay, so on their tour across Storybrooke, Ursula and uh, Cruella go into, I guess it's Bell Shop now. Yeah, it's it, Bell Shop now. It's Mr. Gold's Pawn Shop, except Bell owns it now. And she's like... I'm really mad at you, even though you've done less bad stuff to me than half the people I interact with on a daily basis, but you you two are the real big bads in this town. And Cruella's like, oh, that's right, we did kidnap you. I totally forgot. It all blends together. You've been kidnapped so many times. The conversation they're having with Belle is just a distraction while one of Ursula's tentacles travels about the uh, shop. Okay, it is traveling like a crazy amount around the shop. Like, we never see her tentacle be that prehensile, like, ever again. So, Bill's like, okay, did you just come here to have weird bullshit, vaguely threatening conversations with me, or did you actually want something? Cruella says that she's looking for a hood ornament, and then she pulls out her smartphone and has a Dalmatian-themed smartphone case for it. Okay, what did the guy she married think her deal was? Her name is Cruella and she's obsessed with Dalmatian stuff? And half of her hair is white and the other half is black. Also, she ma- she changed her name when she married. Her maiden name is DeVille. Her name was Cruella DeVille. Which it wasn't in the book. I know, because DeVille is her married name in the book. Yes. I just, like... Also... Does Dodie Smith exist in this universe? Was Dodie Smith an author? I don't know. Well, I mean, right? The author, the character of the author raises so many questions about that. Mm. You remember that woman who was obsessed with Barbie and had all of the plastic surgery to look like Barbie? Mm-hmm. You think he thought it was one of those things? I think he thought that was her deal. Or that uh, guy who had the surgery to look like Superman. Okay, he probably thought that was her deal. But since she actually is Cruella DeVille, what that actually means is that she's much more like Kris Kringle from Miracle on 34th Street. And now I'm just imagining Cruella DeVille being pulled into court to prove that she's actually Cruella DeVille. And then just a bunch of people coming in with all the letters to her that have, <laughs> all the letters addressed to Cruella DeVille that have been delivered to her. Oh, I assumed it was going to be all these people coming in with sacks of dead puppies. No! <laughs> That's terrible! 
Who writes letters to Corolla DeVille? I don't know, really? <laughs> what would you ask her for? Anyway, Ursula uses her unreasonably prehensiled tentacle to snatch a wooden box from Belle's chop without Belle noticing. Meanwhile, in the caves underneath, you know, the tunnels that are underneath Storybrooke, Rumple has really good cell reception. It's a magic cell phone? He's uh, mystically hoovering up Maleficent's ashes. That's so dark. That is 100% what's happening, and it is so freaking dark. He creates a little ash pile of Maleficent. And then he just grabs a handful of it. He gets a text message, which is the text that Cruella sent, telling him that they have got it. Back on the surface... Henry is flipping through the storybook. We see him lingering on the page of Pinocchio and Geppetto hugging, which, gosh, it feels like it's been a while since we've had the terrible Photoshop uh, pictures. And that picture actually looks a lot more like a photograph than terribly Photoshopped pictures. It looks, yeah, it's a barely Photoshopped picture. That actually makes sense, considering that the August stories were added afterwards. Hmm. Regina shows up with Henry's donuts. Chocolate frosted donuts. Not chocolate. That's a weird exchange. Why was that in there? It doesn't refer back to anything or pay off in the future. Just a weird moment. See, I like chocolate glazed donuts, but I don't think that's what she got. I like chocolate glazed donuts, but I don't like just plain chocolate donuts. Do you prefer glazed donuts to cake donuts? Yeah, I think so. Mm, See, I prefer cake donuts. Mm. So... Regina comes in, she gives Henry's donuts, and she's like, you know, I'm kind of bummed because it feels like the happy ending thing's really just out of my reach now. Oh, ha- Regina. Yeah, and she's like, the happiest I've ever been was with you, Robin, and Roland. And I'm Who? the most adorable child ever. Oh, yeah, Roland. Yeah, was- the happiest she was was when she was with Henry, Roland, and that's it. Yeah, I sort of think of Robin as, like, a means to raising the most adorable child ever. Now, Regina is a naturally tactile person, so when she reaches over for the storybook, she notices that the pages with August's story are of a different texture than the rest of the book. And Henry tells her that's because August put the story in there himself. And she thinks, well, if August knows how to change the book, um, that's kind of what we're looking for, right? Unfortunately, August, you'll recall, has been killed in that everything that made August August has been removed and he has been turned back into a child who remembers nothing. Weirdly enough, also the way the movie Boss Baby ends. How weird is it that that movie ends with the title character dying? He doesn't die. He just forgets everything he knows and loses everything that makes him him and becomes a normal baby. Yeah, he loses all personality and memories. He's... I mean, isn't getting wiped back to a blank slate essentially being killed? Only if you don't believe in a soul. Okay, and this movie was very clear about souls existing because apparently, according to the movie Boss Baby, Catholicism is the one true faith. Well, no. Jesus is real. Jesus is real. Jesus is the ultimate Boss Baby. By the way, don't watch Boss Baby, but it is a super weird movie. If you want to watch a really weird, trippy cartoon, though, just stick with B-Movie. Okay, so Emma's in the car with David because they're co-sheriffing, and he's like, our co-sheriffing assignment is going to be stalking Cruella and Ursula. And Emma's like, why? And David's like, isn't that what cops do? We find people we don't like and follow them around until we find an excuse to lock them up? Hmm. And that's exactly what they do. Cruella and Ursula get in Cruella's awesome car and drive away, and David and Emma just start tailing her until they get a call from Belle that- No, no, David tells Emma to call Belle and see if they did anything that they should arrest Corella and Ursula for. Oh my god. Anyway, cut to the flashback. The coven is talking to David and Mary Margaret about- The trio? The trio. The trio is talking to David and Mary Margaret about this dark curse that Regina has stolen from Maleficent and how it's going to be super, super bad for everyone. And they bring up the fact that there is a way to stop the curse, or there's a way to find out how to stop the curse. Yes. That the fairies know of a place called the Tree of Wisdom, that if two true heroes go to it and... I don't know, touch its trunk or whatever. 
they get to ask it a question and get the answer. So they can use this to find out how to stop the Dark Curse. Why didn't Blue bring this up when they found out about the Dark Curse coming? This is before they found out the Dark Curse was coming. No, they know. This is after their wedding. It's after their wedding, but it's before they know the Dark Curse is coming. Blue told them about the Dark Curse, but this is happening chronologically before that moment. Okay, I... I'm just wondering why Blue didn't suggest this earlier, or at any point later, even. Blue probably should have suggested that, yeah. But I just want to summarize what happens in this conversation. Mm -hmm. Because they don't tell them anything about the curse. They just say, it's a dark curse. It's going to destroy everyone. And then David says, literally, if this curse is as bad as they say it is, everyone's in trouble. David, all they've said is, it's a bad curse and everyone is in trouble. Like, this is not a well-written scene. I'm sorry. It's just really, really not. All you're doing is repeating information that was just told to you. Back in the present, David and Emma are following Corella and Ursula. Really not subtly at all. No. And... Uh, and Emma says, oh, Belle says that she can't find something in her shop. And Emma says, oh, guess we better pull him over and throw him in jail without a trial. Yeah. And that's what they do. They pull him over. And David's like, get out of the car. And she's like, well, aren't you handsome? Yeah, Corilla does not have good taste in men. No. But you know what she has good taste in? Uh, car coverings. Car upholstery. Oh, my God. God, it looks like she skinned Elmo. How many Muppets had to die? 101! Okay, so David goes through her car, uh, through Corella's car, and doesn't find anything? Yeah, and he finds Maleficent's, well, Lily's rattle. Mm. And then he pockets it and pretends like he didn't find anything. He lies to Emma. Hmm. If only Emma had some sort of superpower that would let her know when people were lying to her. That would be super convenient, but that'd be a really weird thing to give a character. Mm. Seems like it'd be more trouble than it was worth. David goes back to the loft and... He tells Mary Margaret that Cruella and Ursula were trying to steal Maleficent's rattle. And he has it now, so everything's fine. They're definitely not going to raise Maleficent from the dead, because they can't do it without the rattle. Which... Okay, I hate to be this person. No, I don't. I love being pedantic. Uh, One of the main rules of magic in Once Upon a Time is that you can't bring people back from the dead. She's only mostly dead, Max. Didn't you see the ash? She's literally a pile of ashes. You can't get more dead than that. And, uh, And she got killed twice. She died as a dragon and then came back as some sort of weird earth elemental siren thing. Which Hook recognized, so credit to him. I don't know. No, I mean, you're right. You're right. But also, do you want this show to not have Maleficent come back? Yeah, no, Maleficent's awesome. So David David says, whatever they were planning on doing, whatever spell they were planning on casting, they can't do it now that they don't have this. Maybe they'll get bored and leave, which... And Mary Margaret's like, okay, one, that's not going to happen, and two... Maleficent had a lot of shit, David. They'll just get something else. So back in the flashback, um, they're trying to get the Charmings and the The trio trio are trying to get across a bridge. But the guards won't let them go over the bridge because of the evil people. They're like, we can't let evil people cross this bridge. And they're like, can't you just be good at them until they let you cross? And they're like, yeah, no, it turns out your evil outweighs our good. Huh. And it's like, imagine that. The trio's evil is is more powerful than the Charming's good. Who would have thought that the Charming's good would be insufficient? So, Krilla says, okay, then why don't you take out your blade and just murder them? And then we can go across. David does that all the time when people get in his way. Yeah, it's his go-to move. Except, I guess, when it would be convenient for everyone else. Yeah. Well, you know, he's a contrarian. And Mary Margaret hops on that train and she's like, those men are just doing their duty. We're not going to kill men who are just doing their duty. Clearly forgetting the events of season one, where she murdered a bunch of guys who were just doing their duty and trying to protect their castle from her. Oh, oh, so that she could rescue David, who wasn't in that castle. Like, you invaded someone else's country, invaded their castle, killed their dudes... 
just because you thought that the guy you liked might be in their castle. You're not the good guy. Okay, listen, I don't disagree with you at all. Mm -hmm. But I think you need to conserve your rage for what's going to happen later on in this episode. True. But uh, they start coming up with this alternate route. They're like, okay, so we can like go down the mountain and ford the river and climb up the mountain to, you know, get around not having to go on this bridge. And Maleficent's like, um, did you all forget that I can turn into a dragon? You forgot that people could teleport, so you must have forgotten that I can turn into a dragon. Yeah, she turns into a dragon and she fries the two guys, which A, they could have teleported... B, we saw that you can just put people to sleep earlier this episode. Also, I mean, you're a dragon. They could have just flown over the chasm. Yeah, this was... This was really gratuitous. It was definitely some gratuitous death here. Yeah, it was super unnecessary. But I really think this was about teaching David and Mary Margaret a lesson. Anyway, back in the present, Emma is on a... I, it's so weird. Technology moves so fast that I can't tell if she's on a super old computer or it's just that this was a few years ago. I don't know. It's beige. I feel like beige was old by this point. Okay. So she's on a super old computer trying to bring up the security footage of the ATM across the street from Gold's shop so that she can see if Cruella and Ursula did something that she can lock them up for. When Hook comes in holding a giant bag full of grilled cheeses because that's suddenly Emma's thing this season... Yeah, grilled cheese, just the way she likes it, with onion rings. Ugh, gross. Okay, but, like, it's like a grocery bag. It's not the sort of bag you carry food in. It is a food bag. It's just that because he presumably got it from Granny's, it's not, it doesn't have, like, a fast food logo on it. It is, that's a giant bag. That is way too big for... No, no, that's the kind of bag you would get at a diner because it's not just a grilled cheese sandwich in there. It's a grilled cheese sandwich inside of a styrofoam takeout container. She asks again, she's like, so you never really answered my question about whether or not you fucked Ursula. And he's like, yeah, I'm not comfortable answering that. And then he kind of wanders off. Yeah. So speaking of people who are lying to Emma, David and Mary Margaret are like packing up their truck with rope and flashlights. God, we're going back to season one again, aren't we? With Mr. Gold buying duct tape and rope. and Yeah, they are, they are packing up a murder truck. Anyway, Emma comes out and is like, oh, hey, by the way, the security footage shows that Ursula and Cruella totally stole that box we thought they stole, so let's go arrest them. And David's like, eh. Uh, Let's not not push it. You know what? They're never going to be good if we keep on pushing them. David's like, you know what? I've done some soul searching and I just need to relax. And what's really frustrating about this is what the things that David and Mary Margaret are saying. There are villains... But if we want them to reform, we can't keep treating them like villains. We have to trust them. Like, all of this stuff is legitimate. This is good. This is how they should be thinking. But they're th- this isn't genuine. They yeah, just... they're doing it out of their own self-interest. Their own desire to not get busted for, you know, that super evil thing they did. And Emma's all, okay, so you wouldn't let me eat lunch earlier because you were so obsessed with throwing these ladies in jail, but now you're just like, whatever. Now you're randomly going on a hike in the middle of the day? Okay, then. And she kind of wanders vaguely off. When Emma leaves Hook, he tells her good luck on her witch hunt, which is weird because it's definitely got like a double meaning. She's actually literally hunting witches. And also he's kind of accusing her of being overreactive to both David and Mary Margaret and their weird behavior and also the fact that she thinks he screwed Ursula. Which he did screw Ursula. Mm -hmm. We'll get to that. But I was just thinking Hook shouldn't have read The Crucible. Back in Regina's story, Regina has brought Pinocchio in to look at the book and to try to yell at him into being August. Because she's like, oh, if August altered the book, then he probably knew something about the author, which seems like kind of a stretch to me, but whatever. I mean, I don't think you need to know special magic knowledge about somebody to, to sew pages into a book. Well, I mean, they are actually his story, so I think there is some importance there. Mm. And Emma's like, okay, we're going to play good cop, bad cop. and she. Oh, you know, that's such a nice way to put what happens. Because I found this super creepy, because... 
Regina's like, hey, August was in love with you, so maybe Pinocchio will look at you and remember that. And it's like, Regina, no, 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 no. Also, was August in love with her? I think he mostly felt guilty about abandoning her as a baby. Ah. Basically, they had a very complicated relationship, and if Pinocchio is in fact a child, none of the grooves in his brain are capable of dealing with what their relationship was. He abandoned her as a child and then spent years on Pleasure Island. So. Something that Regina brings up. She's like, remember who you are. You lived in Phuket and you drove a motorcycle and didn't shave. You know, she kind of freaks out because Emma's talking to him and Emma's like, so do you remember anything? And he's like, not really. And Emma's like, do you remember anything about, you know, your days as August? And Pinocchio's like, not really. And Regina's like, I will melt your bones and drink them. And so Geppetto jumps in and is like, okay, we're done here. We're done here. And then Emma takes Pinocchio out of the room so that Geppetto and Regina can have an amazing conversation, which kind of tracks exactly to a comic you did making fun of Once Upon a Time that's on our website. God, that I did forever ago. Yeah, Marco's <laughs> like, maybe you're not going to get your happy ending because of the way you ruined everyone's lives. And she's like, you're not so innocent. You lied to everyone about the wardrobe so you could save your son. From you. <laughs> oh my uh, God, this show. Also, she didn't really ruin everyone's happy endings as much as relocated them. Okay, that's not true. She specifically split up families. Yeah, but they all ended up back together. Because the curse was broken. That wasn't part of her plan. Yeah. But they ended up in a place with modern plumbing and vaccinations. Okay, but you're saying that she didn't ruin everyone's happy ending because she was defeated. Yeah. You don't get credit for being defeated. Okay, but she stopped them all from being killed a few times by now. That makes up for it. Actually, I, I mean, you know I do think she's made up for it, so. No. Anyway, David and Mary Margaret are down in the tunnels beneath Storybook now. Not in the same spot where Rumple is, but looking for the spot where Rumple is, because their plan is to steal Maleficent's ashes so that she cannot be raised. I love the fact that the trio and the Charmings brought tents for camping with them. Yeah, back in the flashback, we see that they decided they needed to camp out before they go to the Tree of Knowledge. And the tents are strikingly different. So, I, yeah, I think... Charming and Snow brought one tent, and the trio brought another tent. So, the Charmings abandoned the trio to go looking for the tree themselves. Since the trio is evil, and obviously their plan is going to be a trap. And David and Mary Margaret find the tree. The tree that can answer any question if two true heroes grope it. Yeah, and it's got two glowing handprints right where it wants to be groped, so David and Mary Margaret reach down and put their hands on the glowing handprints. I feel like this tree has some very specific fetish. Yeah, probably. So they put their hands in the handprints, but they get blasted back, and I laugh and laugh and laugh. I have to say, considering the reason they get blasted back, which is that Snow White is pregnant, that's a pretty harsh toss. For a woman who is pregnant. Mm. Also, I know that it probably doesn't matter. Like, if they were true heroes, then they could touch it and not have this matter. But it seems odd that they didn't take off their gloves before doing this. Eh, it's yeah. magic. Magic so, goes through gloves. So Snow and David immediately decide after being blasted back, Oh, the witches must have lied if the tree will answer any questions asked by true heroes and it didn't answer our questions, then they must have lied about the tree. Because obviously we're true heroes, which feels like a subjective term, but... Ugh. I hate them so much. Anyway, in the present... So what would a tree's qualifications for true heroes be? Right? Oh, so many questions. Way to assume everyone has your morality system. Anyway, in the present, everyone is down in the tunnels now. David, Mary Margaret, Ursula, Cruella, and Rumpel. And they have all coalesced on Maleficent's ashes. When they see each other, David draws his sword on them, but Ursula just uses her tentacles to, like, knock them unconscious, like... 
I was going to say remember that one time swords have never ever worked against magic, but this is a physical thing. Yeah, no, she just physically outmatches David. And apparently her tentacles knock people unconscious like Dargo's tongue in in Farscape. Hmm. Hmm. So it's so weird how terrible David and Mary Margaret are and how fucked up their morality is, especially compared with the other plotline that's going on where Regina is a complex villain who is in the process of earning redemption. She goes to Geppetto's shop and is like... And is like, shut up and let me apologize to you. But she does say, you know, look, I'm trying to redeem myself. And obviously yelling at your son and threatening to melt him was not redemption. She genuinely apologizes and says she's trying to do better to earn her happy ending. And Geppetto's like, ah, you have unlocked helpful information by being a decent human being. You know, if he was like, I'm not super comfortable with you talking to my kid, but here's some stuff that he had left over from his adult time. Because turns out August, adult Pinocchio, left behind a bunch of clues that might lead them to the author. Weird he didn't mention that earlier. Like, Well, he doesn't actually know what he left behind. He just has his um, motorcycle satchel bags that apparently he never went through. And he gives those to Regina. Hmm. Yeah, apparently maybe something in there will help her find what she's looking for now please get out of my house (laughs) it's a very quick about face but eh. i mean it very much has a like you were good you earned a reward feel to it all right underground oh my goodness underground david and mary margaret are passed out and ursula and cruella are just catching up with Rumple while they wait for the heroes to wake up. And he's all like, so how was Belle? How did she look? Was she, did she look like she missed me? Did she, did she mention me? And Corell's like, she looked like she's been getting some fine dick from someone else. Yeah, she looked like she was not missing your furry dick at all. (laughs) Yeah. Cruella is surprisingly suggestive for someone who's on an ABC show. So Rumpel hands Cruella a switchblade and she's like, neat. Anyway, then we go back to the flashback where the trio is telling David and Mary Margaret that no, they didn't trick them. It's just that the tree didn't let them by because... It hates pregnant women. Yep. They look at Mary Margaret and they realize she must be pregnant. And it's not that it hates pregnant women. It's just that Mary Margaret's baby is not necessarily a hero. Specifically, when two people have true love and they have a baby, that baby has the potential to become either an incredibly powerful force for good or an incredibly powerful force for evil. Much like every baby who's ever been born because babies start out as blank slates. But this does track because we know that David's parents are the product of true love, and they had James, who is pure evil, and David, who apparently we're told is good. This is establishing that the product of true love can either be great good or great evil, although I don't think we ever see a great evil product of true love on this show. I literally just said one. James? Yeah. James was, like, kind of a dick, and then he died. I guess he did kind of do a genocide. Never mind. I forgot about the Giants thing. Anyway, since David and Mary Margaret are special, and their love is special, this child is going to be extra special good or extra special evil. And Ursula's like, I haven't really talked in a while. Can I strangle them? I I feel like I'm not really doing anything here. And Maleficent's like, no, they'll be strangled all right by the tentacles of destiny. And then they all walk off. Okay, in the present... David and Mary Margaret wake up to Cruella slicing them open so that she can use their palms, unfortunately, just their palms, so that she can use their blood on the ashes. Yeah, we're going real uh, end of the fourth Harry Potter book here. This is real Voldemort's resurrection because it turns out the actual ingredient for reviving a evil dark fairy from the dead is with the blood of the uh the person who has harmed the person who has wronged her the most yep 
and the ashes do a bunch of uh, CGI transformations before bamfing into Pam from True Blood. Yes, Maleficent is back in the present. I'm kind of disappointed she doesn't do the crow teleport again. That would have been cool, but it's a kind of cool ash teleport. You see her as the dragon with the glowing heart, and then when she lands, she's Maleficent. Yeah, I mean, the special effects are real PlayStation 2, like early PlayStation 2. You know, I didn't really mind the fact that the CGI was primitive because it was so creative. Yeah, it, it was a really creative sequence, and that does do a lot to make up for the fact that it's not great CG. It was basically Maleficent's magical girl transformation sequence. God, it was. I feel like Cruella cutting David and Mary Margaret's palm actually is... I wondered about that. It might turn out to be sort of a plot hole later. I think, I think it's... And I will either cut or bleep this. We'll see when it comes up. Yes. So... Maleficent's all, oh my god, I'm back from the dead and immediately I have to deal with these assholes. And oh she does have to deal with- Oh my god. Mary Margaret tries to justify herself. She said, immediately, she's, immediately, she runs up to Maleficent and she says, Maleficent, please, whatever you think that we did, you don't know the whole story. The whole story is we did it for our own selfish reasons. The whole story is, you threw her baby into a death pit. Can you imagine you threw someone's child into a pit? Because you didn't feel like raising your kid properly? And then your answer is, oh, but you don't know. That's okay, right? I'm sorry. The whole thing with this, and I know this is spoilery, but... The reason she killed Maleficent's baby is because she she also had a vision of Oh, yeah. If you have a vision, then obviously the only solution is to murder someone else's child. Silly me. Oh, man. So Maleficent's like, okay, so should I kill you now? And then Corella stops her. She's like, no, we have a plan. And it's going to totally fuck him over, so just wait for that. Cruella's like, we have bigger fish to fry. And Ursula's like, um, racist. But Mary Margaret's like, you're not going to tell everyone our secret. And Maleficent's like, okay, I don't know what they're up to, but it's going to be better than that. Jesus fucking Christ, Mary Margaret. My favorite part, though, is Maleficent and Snow are, like, squaring off. And Ursula and Cruella are in the background, not knowing the full story, but just totally here for the drama. So... Mary Margaret's like, oh, we can't keep lying to everyone. Okay, okay. Mary Margaret says we can't keep lying to everyone. And she says that if they had told the truth, none of this would have happened. Which is true. If they had told Emma why they didn't want Cruella and Ursula around, then they wouldn't have been skulking off by themselves. They wouldn't have been down in the caves. They wouldn't have had their blood there to resurrect Maleficent. But they're acting like their original sin was the lie and not the throwing the baby into a death pit. They seem to have no comprehension of the thing of what the thing is that they did wrong. Yeah, again, it's the whole killing Cora thing. Killing Cora was the right move, but tricking her daughter into doing it was the... Anyway, so they're going to go to the sheriff's office and tell Emma the truth. But before they do, Hook goes to the sheriff's office to tell Emma that, yes, he did indeed bone Ursula at some point in the past. Well, I mean, not exactly. Well, he comes to tell Emma about his past with Ursula, which we will find out about later. And Basically, he says, I have a past with Ursula and it makes me look real, real bad. And that's why I don't want to tell you. And Emma is like, well, I don't want you to skulk around not telling me things. But I accept that you are not yet ready to tell me about this terrible thing you did. Oh my god, open and honest communication. It's something that's, like, never in this show ever. But then she's like, you know, I think I'm too suspicious of people. Would you believe that this afternoon I was suspicious of my parents? I know, my perfect parents who never do anything wrong ever. I thought that they might be up to something the way they seem to be. Skulking? skulking around and really obviously lying and the fact that they had 
rope and duct tape in the back of the van as they were following people. Okay, this is actually really important because then she says, oh, but I realized that I was just, I was just making up reasons to be suspicious and paranoid and cut myself off. And David and Mary Margaret come in in time to hear the end of this speech. And Mary Margaret uses this to justify not telling Emma the truth. And her justification is, Emma doesn't trust people and she doesn't open up to people. And if I tell her that she was right and that I was being evil and duplicitous, then she'll know that she was right to not trust people and she'll never trust people again. So really, if I tell Emma, I'm just hurting her, so I shouldn't. That is some, like, next-level rationalization. You know, Mary Margaret's a contrarian, so as soon as David said, yeah, we should tell Emma, she immediately was like, okay, we have to find a way to not tell Emma. Ugh. So David and Mary Margaret tell Emma that Maleficent has been resurrected, but not, you know... Any of the context behind said resurrection. Yeah. In fact, they're all like, oh, Cruella and Ursula were up to something. They were definitely here to resurrect Maleficent, which I guess is true. But, you know, you didn't magically know they were up to something. So Emma's like, wait, but why did did you, when you happened to be hanging around when they resurrected Maleficent, did you catch why they're doing this, why they're waging war against us. And Mary Margaret's like, they're villains. That's what villains do. Villains are They're evil. villains and we're heroes. That's oh. what villains do to heroes. So back in the flashback, Maleficent wakes up Mary Margaret in the middle of the night. Okay. This, this. Oh my God. Okay. Maleficent approaches Mary Margaret and is like, I knew you were pregnant because I too am expecting a child. I'm also pregnant. I'm going to have a baby. She comes to Snow in a manner that's essentially, can we not be villain and hero here and just be two women who are trying to protect our children from Regina, who is absolutely doing something way more evil? And how about we work together and save our families and, like, reach an understanding? This is interesting because she's approaching Mary Margaret on a completely different level. She tells her, There is something more at stake for us. Everyone else has plans, machinations, but you and I know we need to do do something to protect our children. We have way more at stake here because we have, we're we're going to be mothers and we need to stop this curse before it happens. And together we can come up with something to stop this from happening. And Mary Margaret's like, "Mm, no, I won't work with you because you're evil. Yeah. She's like, no. I'm not going to work with you. I would rather everyone in the kingdom succumb to darkness than to change who I am to stop that from happening. Which, spoiler alert, is exactly what happens. I mean, not spoiler because it happened in season one. But yeah, here's the thing. This is based on an idea that Maleficent is somehow intrinsically stained. Mm. And that working with her will taint you, no matter what it is that you're actually doing. So saving the kingdom with her will inherently be an evil act. Even if you don't do anything evil, even if the act itself would otherwise be considered good, just by virtue of the fact that you two are on the same side, you yourself will become tainted. That's the basis of Mary Margaret's objection. And... This is a season where we are so concerned with Regina's redemption. Like, that's not the case. People in this show are more complex than that. And Mary Margaret does not accept that. I feel like the main reason they had Maleficent kill those two dudes guarding the bridge was to make Mary Margaret look like she had something of a point here. That is exactly why they did that. Anyway... The last scene of this episode. Are you ready to get really upset? Yes. This is the bit where Mary Margaret launches into the uh, Seattle season speech. Okay, so we haven't watched the last season of Once Upon a Time. All the way through. Well, we watched like the first three episodes. And while there's a lot of stuff going on in the last season that I like, and we will cover it in this show when we get to it, um, in our final chapter, Welcome to Hyperion Heights, 
I mean, it's, it's nice that they gave us a really easy last chapter title. Mm. Anyway, well, we will cover it when we get there. We haven't watched it all the way through because we watched three episodes, and in of those three episodes, like 40 minutes of it were people giving one long speech. One long speech that entirely consisted of, it's just a huge run-on sentence with really awkward pauses and it makes it so hard to remember where sentences started anyway mary margaret is doing this to regina right now she calls regina to the edge of town so that they can have a secret communique there is a really good shot of uh, the two of them standing under Regina's uh, umbrella. It's a crane shot. It lasts like a second, but it's really well composed. They probably should have held on that for longer. Yeah, huh. Anyway, they while they're talking, basically, Mary Margaret is babbling. She babbles for like four minutes. And while she's babbling, we also get caught up on other things that are going on around town. Most specifically, that... Belle and Will Scarlet are banging. That's the most important thing we see. Oh, also Henry goes through August's stuff and finds, oh, there might be a clue for the author and it's a door. Yeah. So other than But those... more importantly, Will Scarlet and Belle are totally banging. And Rumpel sees them totally banging and he's like, oh man. Good, he doesn't deserve her. Yeah. Anyway, other than those two things, what happens is Snow White reveals that Maleficent is super pissed at her. And when she asks why... When Regina asks why. She says that it's because she's the reason that Maleficent lost her child. Max, she's the reason that Maleficent lost her child. That is a very specifically worded sentence. Because of us, Maleficent lost her child. Okay, so at this point, you could interpret that as because of the curse, which she didn't stop, Maleficent lost her child. Or as I interpreted it when when I first watched this episode before I knew how awful and evil David and Mary Margaret were, I assumed that Maleficent lost her child in a, in, in a battle that she had to enter because of David and Mary Margaret's decisions. But no! They fucking killed her child. They threw her baby into a death pit. It's so bad. What they did is unforgivable, and they don't even seek forgiveness. They don't even seem sorry about it. The main thing they seem... They're sorry they got caught. Yeah, and the... the Our heroes. The thing is, we already don't like... David and Mary Margaret, honestly, this is... how much of that is... is informed by us knowing this about them? I didn't like them before this. Okay. Did, did you like them before this season? It's so hard to remember. It's like, did I ever enjoy How I Met Your Mother? I don't know. I feel like it used to be my favorite show, but that finale just went back in time and made me hate everything. It's true. I guess I can't really... I can't really think about David and Mary Margaret without the context of this scene. I mean... Uh, this season's arc. I mean, our listeners know that it's the one spoiler we don't censor because it so informs our opinion of David and Mary Margaret. They threw a baby into a death pit. So tune in next week for when David and Mary Margaret throw a baby into a death pit. Yep. But uh, as for now, we've got our segments. So we were going to talk about people who are doing our job this week. Uh, yes, that is one of our new segments, people who are doing our job for us. I feel like Cruella is doing our job this week when she encounters Belle and is like, did we kidnap you? You get kidnapped so much by so many people, I totally lost track. Solid point, Cruella. All right. Uh, is that it? I think that might be it. I think that is it for us this week. All right, so our show, as we mentioned at the top, is partially listener-supported. We'd like to thank our $5 and above patrons, Beryl, Patricia... Cassidy, Alec, Alex, Alicia, and Ryan. If you'd like to support us in other ways, you can always rate or review us on iTunes. It helps other people find the show. If you want to talk about this episode, you should join us on our Facebook page. 
facebook.com slash I love television zines. You can also contact us at I love television zines at gmail.com or tweet at us at I love TV zines. Um, by the time this episode drops, I will have I will have guested on a leverage podcast called Let's Steal a Podcast. Oh. You should download that on iTunes as well. Yeah. And uh, I'm on, I don't know, I don't know what their schedule is. I don't know how far ahead they record. I think it will have dropped by the time this drops. It's the episode, The Juror Number Six Job, which happens to be one of my favorite episodes of Leverage. I'm excited to be talking about it. Cool. So uh, until next time, I'm Tina. And I'm Max. And this has been Welcome to Storybrooke. Oh.